Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. Welcome to Fresh Take. My name is Ray Chen. I'm the host today and also the board member of Florida Organic Growers and Consumers. We're starting a food safety series of the podcast episodes. Our topic today is COVID-19 and its impact on farm and farm food safety. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Keith Schneider from University of Florida. He specializes in food safety topics. Welcome, Dr. Schneider. Hi, good afternoon. For our listeners, could you please Give us a download about yourself and how do you get into the food safety industry? Sure. I'm a professor here at the Department of Food Science and Human Nutrition at the University of Florida here in Gainesville. This is my 21st year working at the university. I'm a food safety microbiologist. I have a master's in public health and my, uh, my doctor work is in food science and I've been working with microbial food safety now for the better part of three decades. The topic today is really focusing on farm operations. Uh, obviously, COVID is really a big concern right now. Could you tell us what you feel pre-COVID and, and after you know, the COVID infecting the whole area? And do you notice any difference in the farm operations and also the safety side? Pre-COVID, obviously, we were concerned with protecting the, the produce preventing foodborne illness in our consumers. Obviously, COVID's kind of changed everything since then. Just as a little bit of background, when we talk about COVID, actually COVID-19, that's the name of the disease, stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019, and we just a shorthand then it's COVID-19. The actual virus responsible for the disease is SARS-CoV-2, which is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2. And again, that's a mouthful, so we kind of shorten that to SARS-CoV-2. So for the sake of this, we'll just kind of shorthand it all into just COVID. But there are a lot of different COVID viruses that are out there. But the one we're specifically talking about is the one obviously causing the problems now. The one silver lining in all this is that this particular strain does not appear to be foodborne, which is good. We're not seeing a lot of people, if any, contract the disease through the handling or the consumption of produce. So for farm workers, we're not looking to prevent something like salmonella or pathogenic E. coli. What we're trying to do with COVID is actually protect the farm worker. The biggest change pre and post pandemic is not that the food has become less safe. We're trying to protect the workers from becoming ill. And that's sort of the the big implication here is that we're, the, the food is safe, but we really need to protect the ag workers. I know like farmers normally use good sanitations and personal hygiene practice because, you know, it's required by food safety regulations. Do you notice any farmer, you know, taking extra precautions in their operation process wise? Well, early on in the outbreak, uh, a lot of the direction we're getting from CDC, since we didn't know if it was foodborne or not, was to social distance, wear masks, use proper hand washing techniques and proper sanitization, cleaning surfaces and such. All those are true today, a year, almost a year later now. The big thing though, is that 
we're really not seeing that transfer from surfaces. And that there, there have been reports of some studies coming out of China right now that they're testing food coming in. Uh, they're concerned about foodborne transfer. CDC here in the U.S. has not seen that as a concern, and all the data coming out so far is inconclusive at best. So at least for now, as, a, as of February 10th, 2021, we don't, this doesn't appear to be foodborne at all. At the farm level, getting workers to, again, still use proper personal hygiene, that, that never went away. Uh, washing hands and making sure that clothes are clean and making sure all surfaces are sanitized, that's still a thing. The, the big increase that we're seeing is the use of um, PPE, um, personal protective equipment, things like masks and goggles, gloves. And again, not necessarily to protect the produce, but to protect the workers from making each other sick. Is there any statistic that's showing farm workers that really kind of threatened by the COVID virus-wise? Or since, you know, maybe, you know, like everybody's taking precautions of it, so it wasn't widespread in terms of farm workers? Well, early on, uh, again, everybody kind of sheltered in place, right? So we, we all had stay-at-home warnings. But farm workers were one of the first essential groups, along with first responders, to be asked to go back to work. Also, people in uh, food production facilities. Without a steady supply of food, obviously the mm-hmm. population's at risk. So they were given sort of essential status and asked to return to work. So that happened early on. There's a lot of strategies out there and National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health has what they call the hierarchy of controls. And these are things that we can put in place to kind of protect the, the workers. First line of defense is things like PPE, giving them gloves and, and masks. Then the next things that we could do is just change the way people work, making sure there's you know, at least six feet or adequate distance between workers, making sure that they don't cluster together during break time, possibly making them work in teams. The term you might have heard is quarantining, mm-hmm. where if one group were to get sick, the other group of individuals would not contract uh, the illness. So the same six or seven people would work together, and if they all got sick, then at least the other crews wouldn't be affected. The use of barriers. If you've, ever, if you've gone to a store lately, you've probably seen plexiglass barriers between the cashier and yourself shopping. But putting up barriers in the workplace between maybe a grading stand or culling table so that there's less transfer of these, what we call respiratory droplets, uh, the things that help transfer this virus from person to person, they're less likely to be passed from person to person. So these are some of the things that we're seeing now out in the wild. And again, as more and more workers get back, either in the field or in the, in the um, production facilities, the more of these things that we institute, the less possibility we're going to see people coming down with the disease. I see. Obviously, you know, with this protection goggles and, and all that from the farmers, that might add some load into farm working hours and all that. Do you see a shift in changing the total hour of work from the workers, uh, from scheduling, and then would that add, I guess, stress into farm operations-wise? Or do you feel like maybe just take extra precautions? Because, I mean, we all know uh, you're working in the outdoor environments, and most of the time you do have more distance in between, you know, the fields and things like that. Um, so is there any strategy that you feel that you could provide to farmers 
in terms of operation-wise, how they could improve? Well, kind of hard to say. If you want to keep productivity at the same level, it's kind of hard because the more people you add, the more likely you are to spread the virus. So if you're working with reduced personnel, again, you're going to be working longer hours. Wearing masks right now, it's not that hot out, so you're probably not going to see much pushback. When it gets warmer, they, they get problematic. The use of neck gaiters, uh, basically a little scarf that goes around your neck and covers your mouth and nose. Those help. They're not 100% foolproof, but really, as far as recommendations, trying to put as much distance between people as possible uh, is really the key. And it, it's hard. This virus spreads fairly quickly. Some of the new variants that we're hearing about uh, seem to spread even more rapidly. The good news is, is that we're seeing a reduction in the numbers. That, so hopefully that downward trend will continue. Uh, but farm workers, really, just making sure that your workers are, again, washing their hands, which they should be anyway. And that's one thing that always sort of surprised me during this outbreak is like all this emphasis on washing hands. That Washing hands has always been a thing. This is not anything new. So hopefully this will continue that the, the sense of urgency with hand washing continues. But that has always been a thing because of things like salmonella and E. coli. But again, making sure that the workers are, again, washing their hands, they're, they're, um, you know, not, they're not sneezing or coughing. If they're sick, they're not coming to work and or reporting or self-reporting. So they're not increasing the chance of spreading the virus. One thing that we have heard about, I haven't seen personally, but I've heard about is temperature checks where workers will be screened with um, kind of an infrared thermometer or a non-touch thermometer and excluding anybody who has a fever. The upside of that is that you catch people and you can pull them off of a crew and isolate them, making sure that they're not spreading the virus to other workers. The downside is, is a lot of folks who get infected with the virus don't have a fever. They show no symptoms or are asymptomatic. So temperature checks are good, but they're not foolproof. Yeah, that 14-day kind of quarantine requirement from CDs or from, you know, different report that uh, is really tricky. And that's the difficulty of this COVID virus as well, because, you know, you don't really know unless you did the rapid check with some mild symptom. But, you know, when you have symptoms, the 14 day before, you might already got it. So that's the difficult part of this this virus. Like I go to my kids' soccer game and at the door, they all check temperatures and obviously wear masks and all that. So so I think those uh, standard application will also goes to the farm operator as well. As a consumer side, you harvest the produce and then the only thing that I would imagine is, you know, all this plastic bag and things that potentially get, during the transporting of the produce, you, you might get somebody who might affect by COVID and spread on to it. And then is there any other precaution that the processing center or logistic transportation wise, are they taking any other precautions or things that you are aware of? I think the um, transportation companies and the, the packing and I guess all the whole distribution chain, again, they're sanitizing surfaces. They're very cognizant of this. Uh, we even saw it in the Super Bowl and one of the advertisers were the folks sanitizing the stadium seats. We 
don't see or we have not seen what we would call fomite transmission of the virus. So again, the boxes or bags that these, the produce uh, of a sick, wor- a sick worker, you know, contaminates a box of produce and that making it to the consumer, again, we're just not seeing that that box is a vector for the, the virus. Now, it, it might be. And if it is, it's a very small contribution to the, the number of people who are getting sick. The, you'll see it. There's been a lot of reports of um, how long the virus survives on different surfaces, you know, X number of hours on cardboard, twice as long on plastic and maybe longer on stainless steel. The question is whether or not those viral particles are infectious at that stage mm-hmm. and whether or not they're at a, a, a tighter or, or amount that can cause illness. And um, going along with what the Centers for Disease Control has been stating all along and until we hear otherwise, that does not seem to be a major contributor. So sanitation is still important. And again, it always was. And the fact that we're paying so much attention to it, I hopefully after this pandemic is over, that culture of, um, again, workers washing their hands and the distribution chain paying such a hard attention to, to sanitation stays in place. But that has always been in place. So all the things that should have been done in the past, hopefully are being done now, which again Mm -hmm. is making sure that the trucks are clean, the drivers are practicing good personal hygiene habits, the folks at the supermarket stocking the shelves, doing the same. But honestly, the risk of you getting disease is much higher from your fellow shopper than it is from the produce that you're buying. Yeah, so based on what you're saying, you know, I feel more comfortable. You know, obviously the, the whole process from the farm to your table is a long process. And, and I believe, you know, within the U.S. standards uh, in food safety and CDC's guideline, I think the, this is, you know, obviously uh, this is not a major channel of the disease being trans, uh, transferred. And, and then based on the statistic and all that, I, I don't think it, that's going to be the case as well. So I think, you know, obviously this, this episode is really what we're trying to give to, to the farmers some tips and, and things like that, and also make consumer side uh, more comfortable with what we're eating nowadays or things that, that in the grocery store. In terms of market-wise, COVID is really having impact. Uh, and because this extra precaution, do you see like, market reacting to it um, in, in terms of pricing wise? Honestly, I, I don't know what the price impact um, is having on the market. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know whether or not um, we've had any type of major change. I think the scarcity of certain commodities because again, workers have not been either allowed to or cautious about returning to work. So we, we might have reduced production, which might limit supply, which will increase pricing. And there were some of that early on. I, I don't know what, what's going to happen moving forward as um, things start to go back to some sense of normality. But anytime you have a, a drop in supply, your you know, demand will go up and so will price. So yeah, well, I haven't seen that personally. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. I don't think, again, other than some of the reports that we're seeing where China is instituting some testing protocols for imported foods, especially frozen foods. There was an incident just, um, I think, a week or two ago with, um, with cherries coming into China. Mm-hmm. And that market, the bottom fell out of that market because, again, everybody heard that COVID was found on cherries. There was no positive correlation or any cases associated with those cherries. But mm-hmm. just the fact that it was found on the cherries 
cause the the bottom to drop out of that market. So COVID can definitely have an impact on what people do. Again, right now, whether or not it's actually having any health effects, that, that's a huge question. Even the even the studies that we're seeing uh, coming out of China and the research that they're doing, uh, there's still no direct correlation with disease and uh, presence. The major risk is still person to person. So the wearing of the face mask, social distancing, trying to limit the amount of social interactions. Going back to work, farmers on cruise, that's going to be difficult. And mm-hmm. managers providing them with you know, disposable masks is going to be a big help. The hand washing, like I said, should always have been there. The fact that we're putting so much emphasis on it now is, is I think, a good thing. I think it will help lower the incidences of the typical foodborne diseases. Again, the the bacterial, the viral diseases associated with with pathogens like E. coli, salmonella, those sorts of things. But with the current COVID situation, it, it's really a worker safety issue. And like I said, I think the owners and operators of these places need to keep their workforce healthy. Thus, anything they can do to facilitate that helps them stay open longer. Again, you don't want to have a major outbreak and then all your workers are sick all at the same time. So yeah, to me, that, that, that's the biggest thing. You know, obviously the COVID was found in China with wild animal market. And was there any concern transmitting from human back to the animals and then kind of spread it that way? Yeah, so one of the first places that we saw this was, um, again, it was supposedly an open-air market, wet market over in China. And uh, I think as early as December of um, 2019 in, in Wuhan, China, actually, we saw this. And it was first associated with bats. And then, because again, there's a, a population of coronaviruses associated with bats. But it was then believed that the actual cause was an animal known as a pangolin, so, um, cousin to a aardvark type looking animal, uh, armadillo. So uh, this pangolin, which is found in these markets, was thought to be the initial sort of cause of all this. Whether or not it was from the consumption or handling of this, not only, again, is it gotten to the inhalation of these respiratory droplets, but again, getting it on your hands and getting it in your eyes or your mucous membranes is also thought to be a way this is spread. Once you get into uh, the human host, whether through mutation or just being a, a novel strain of coronavirus, it then found a host in humans and then starts to spread. It all starts with a, a, a single strain uh, in a single individual. And then if that strain is successful in infecting that individual, it can obviously be successful in infecting other individuals. So it was originally found, again, back in December of um, 2019, over a year ago, it was thought to be like, closely related to what we're seeing uh, with the, with this animal called a pangolin. And now that it's in the you know in the human population, virus spreads like the, with the go, they go viral, right? They they spread yeah. rather quickly, and um, we're seeing some mutations of that now. Uh, that's inherent in all viruses. They they tend to kind of fight off our our, our best shots of keeping them down. And it's, it's pretty much worldwide now. It, it is a true pandemic. So it's one of these strains that uh, moves really quickly. So by the time we found out about it, it was well established. It, when we started putting travel bans and everything else in place, quite honestly, it had moved into Europe. The majority of the cases we saw early on were from the, from the European travel mm-hmm. to the U.S. And now we're just getting over what would appear to be the second wave of all this. And now we're seeing new strains and new variants of the, uh, the virus slight mutations that seem to make it a little bit more 
infectious. But at this point, it's, it's everywhere. Where it started is sort of irrelevant at this point right now. This is something we're probably going to have to live with maybe every year, sort of like the flu. We may have a new COVID vaccine every, um, every winter, like when we get our flu vaccines. Please really appreciate you sharing a lot of information with us today. And, you know, based on the discussion, we're happy to, to say, you know, the whole food system uh, is really not impacted drastically. And the major transmitting of the disease are, are really, you know, not causing the food to be unsafe. However, we do need to focus in on, you know, our farmers and, and create a healthy environment for them because without them, we'll have no food. We'll have future episodes that continue to provide uh, additional information on how to deal with either COVID and also other food safety topic. Stay tuned uh, with our future episodes and then appreciate your time today. Join us. You know, we'll talk more in the near future. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 